Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Only in Texas. And so a lawyer runs a stop sign and gets pulled over by a sheriff's deputy. And he thinks he's smarter than the deputy because he's a lawyer from New York and and he's certain that he has a better education than any cop from Brenham, Texas. And so he decides to prove himself and have some fun at the Texas deputy's expense. So the deputy tells him, license and registration, please. What for, says the lawyer. Deputy says, well, you didn't come to a complete stop at the stop sign. The lawyer says, well, I slowed down and no one was coming. You still didn't come to a complete stop says the deputy, license and registration, please. The lawyer says, what's the difference? So the difference is you have to come to a complete stop. That's the law. License and registration, please. The lawyer says, if you can show me the legal difference between slow down and stop, I'll give you my license and registration. You give me the ticket. If not, you let me go and don't give me the ticket. That sounds fair. Please exit your vehicle, sir. At this point, the deputy takes out his nightstick and starts beating the daylights out of the lawyer and says, do you want me to stop or just slow down? (laughs) Only in Texas. I don't know. Arizona might might happen in Arizona, too. So you see the graphic on the screen And those that are online, uh, we welcome you and are glad that you're listening. Uh, We are going to be talking for four weeks uh, tonight and the next three weeks on the arm of God. And so tonight, I want to just lay a groundwork for that. And we're studying on the armor of God because we need it. Uh, We need it because we need to build our confidence and our ability to stand and to win in spiritual warfare. All of us know we're involved in a spiritual battle, right? And so I believe the devil has done a pretty effective job at diluting the God-given authority of many believers. Uh, Most of us know that we have been given authority by God. You know, we've heard teaching about it. We've heard preaching about it. But I think that sometimes we may have a watered-down version of what Jesus intends for us to have and to express. And I'll just put it on me. There's sometimes I think that I have kind of uh, had a, or maybe uh, felt like or or experienced a watered-down version of what Jesus intended me to have. In other words, I didn't maybe feel or sense that kind of authority and dominion, Uh, and we need to. We need to understand the authority that we have in Him and the power that we have through Jesus. So say, I believe that. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and he's talking about spiritual forces here, uh, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, we need to believe this verse just as Jesus spoke it. 
He means for us to have and to express authority over all the power of the enemy. And so if we really believe and practice this, it'll, it'll change things in our life. It'll change the way we live. It'll change the way we talk. It'll change the way we feel. I mean, oh, sometimes we need to feel uh, differently than what's going on. And, and we don't need to feel like we're victims because we're not. Uh, sometimes we may not feel all that strong, but we are not meant to be victims. Uh, uh, and there are a lot of people that kind of live, and I think there are a lot of, of believers that live with a victim's mentality. And it's kind of like, you know, ooh, man, the devil's really mad. You know, he's doing so much, and there's stuff happening all over the world in our city and the, and the morals, and, ah, the devil's really mad. And, and, you know, he is really mad, but he has always been mad. He's been mad since he got kicked out of heaven, uh, eons ago. And so he's always going to be mad, and, and we are not meant to be threatened or worried about what he's doing. I know sometimes it may feel threatening to us. We may feel worried about what the devil's doing, but we're not meant to live that way. Now, I want you to tell yourself, I believe that too. If anything, really, the devil ought to be worried about what we're doing. The purpose of this series is to build our assurance and our confidence in spiritual warfare and reveal the armor of God that has been given us to fight and to win. See, we're, we're not meant to just fight, we're meant to win. I used to pastor a guy in southern Illinois, and we, it was in a small little town, and this guy was just a, a, just a, a, a country guy, and so... He's a big old dude, and he had one finger that I think had gotten bit off or something in a fight. I mean, he was a bird, but he had gotten saved, but he was still kind of rough around the edges. And, and I was talking about this point one time, so I, and trying to make a point with him how we don't fight just to fight, we fight to win. And he looked at me, and he just shook his head, and he said, oh, pastor. He said, I don't know. He says, I've, I've been in a lot of fights where I just fought to fight. And I said, okay, well, uh, we are not meant to fight just for the sake of fighting. We're meant to fight and win. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So we are in the beginning of this, we are, we're giving a charge uh, to be strong. And the wording in Ephesians 6.10 isn't just uh, an encouragement or a suggestion. Uh, I want to read it again, Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. This literally could be translated, you are ordered 
And so it's forceful. You are ordered to receive great moral courage from the Lord. That's good. And so I want you to tell yourself, I am strong in the Lord. It's good. Throughout the Bible, uh, this charge was given in one form or another to God's people when they were up against things that were difficult and battling uh, issues that were beyond them. And so this, this was uh, a charge or a command that was given. God spoke it to Joshua before he led Israel into the promised land. Uh, in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9, God says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor to be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's a pretty good statement there, isn't it? And it's true of us tonight. But God repeated this several times to Joshua. If you read in the book of Deuteronomy and then in the book of Joshua, there was uh, three or four different times this statement was made to Joshua, be strong and of good courage. And it's not just because God likes to repeat himself. It's because Joshua needed to hear it again and again and again and again. And we need to. Moses was gone. Uh, God had taken him on to be with, uh, with the Lord. And so now Joshua's responsibility is to lead Israel into the promised land and to their inheritance. And this must have been really intimidating for him. Moses had already always been the guy, you know, uh, like Moses, Moses, he's our man. If he can't do it, no one can. That was, that was Moses was the man. Now Moses is gone and Joshua's there. And so uh, it's intimidating. And God tells him, be strong and of good courage. God spoke in a similar way to Gideon in Judges chapter 6. I love this story of, of Gideon in Judges 6, 14 through 16. It says, And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent you? So he said to him, oh, my Lord. Have you ever said that, you know, God's challenging you about something? You go, oh, my Lord. And I think he had a little bit of a southern twang to him, you know, kind of a, oh, my Lord. How can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I'll be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now, uh, most of you know the story of Gideon. He, uh, uh, God spoke to him that he was going to uh, take on the Midianites. And, and earlier, before this happened, it says the Midianites, they were so numerous, they were like a swarm of locusts that had come in on the land. So God tells Gideon, I want you to uh, gather people together. He gathered his forces together. He started out with 30,000, and God whittled them down to 10,000 and then down to 300 to go after this huge army that were like locusts in the land. And because God was with them, they beat them. And so God's command was, go in this might of yours, surely I'll be with you. Jesus gave this a similar kind of command to his disciples in Matthew 28, 18 and 19. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go you, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Be strong in the Lord. Again, it's not merely an encouragement or a suggestion. It's a charge. It's, it's a, it's, there's strength involved in this, and we should receive that strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his not might. Now, we may not always feel strong. I'm not going to ask the question, how many of you always feel strong in the Lord and of the power of his might? Because I know the answer to that question. We may not always uh, feel it, you know. It, it may not be this overwhelming sense that we've got of, of the power and strength and might of God, but whether we feel it or not, it's true. We are strong in Him and in the power of His might. <laughs> really quiet in here. If, if we don't feel or sense that we are strong in Him, it just simply means that our emotions, our feelings may not, may not be there, but we need to bring, and this is what's so important for us, we need to bring our feelings, our emotions in line with what the Word of God says. In Romans 3, 3 and 4, it says, For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true and every man a liar. In other words, our feelings are great liars, and we can't allow ourselves to live just on an emotional plane. If we do, we're going to get beat up a lot, aren't we? So faith is a decision to believe God's Word over our feelings. And when we determine to believe and to confess what God says to us and about us, we'll experience more of the reality of it in our lives. See, we need to believe it, and we need to speak it, and we need to talk to ourselves. Not in a weird way, but in a good way. We need to talk to ourselves and 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 confess, speak what God's Word says to us. Uh, a number of years ago, I uh, began to take Ephesians 6 and verse 10 and to make it one of my regular statements of faith or confession. And I would tell myself, I will be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And I started doing this. And, and at the time, I was uh, uh, having some a physical battle where I was, I was feeling uh, weak physically. And, so, and because of that, I was also, you know, it was an emotional uh, kind of a thing that felt kind of uh, emotionally weak. And so I began to take this verse and confess it to myself. I will be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And, and when I first started doing that, there were times that I didn't, I felt anything but strong or the power of God moving in my life. There are times I just, I spoke it out of a heart that I, I knew it was God's Word, I knew it was true, but I, at, at the time that I sp spoke it, I didn't necessarily feel it. You know what I'm talking about. And so what happened over a process of time, see, and this is why it's important for us to take the promises of God or the charges, challenges of God, God's Word, and begin to make them our own. Because once we do and we start to, to speak it and, and believe it in our heart, 
as we believe and as we speak, we begin to come into a place of ownership of it. And what happened is I began to sense more and more as I talked to myself, I'll be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I begin to sense that more and more. And you know what? Uh, it, it had an impact on me in, in the physical realm. That uh, physical weakness that I was going through, it left. And the emotional weakness that I felt, it began to go. And so that's uh, why we need to confess God's Word and make it ours and, and uh, take it and believe it over what we feel. Say, I'll do that. Thank you. We need to experience the truth of God's Word more in our lives. And I'm going to talk about this some uh, more next week as we talk about the belt of truth. Uh, but uh, tonight I wanted to kind of lay some groundwork. We are more than conquerors through Jesus. Now, the following is a lengthy portion of Scripture, but it's so important in reference to what we're talking about that I didn't want to just uh, say a verse or two. I wanted to give the whole uh, uh, portion for us to, to get a sense of. And so I want you to realize that as this is speaking to us, it's talking to us individually. Say, this is about me. In Romans 8, verse 31 through 39, it says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. And so listen to this list. Shall, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter, yet in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Yeah. He's talking about the worst of circumstances in life, and there's this statement to us, in all these things, and the very worst that life can throw at us, some of us have been through some very difficult things in our lives. Uh, some of us are not really even that old yet, and yet you have been through some things in your life that have been challenging, that have been difficult, that you wondered, how, how am I going to uh, get through this? And we began to see as we live for God and, and just trust our lives to Him, the reality of verse 37. I've seen this in my life. I'm I'm 66 years old. I know that's shocking to many of you that I could possibly be 66 years old in one month, but I am, and uh, I have been serving God since I was 19, so it's a few years, and I have been through some things in that time. Uh, uh, Christian life's the best life, and that's why I didn't go back to what I was before. I don't, I don't, I don't want that old life. But since I have been living for God, I have been through some things that were uh, that I never thought I would go through. 
some very difficult challenges, things that, that at the, in the moment I wondered, how am I going to get through this? But I'm on the other side now, and I can tell you, verse 37 is, is true. And all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen. Some of you tonight may be facing some things that you thought you may never have faced in your life, or you're experiencing something that is, you wonder, how am I going to get through this? Listen, God's word is true, and he will bring us through all these things. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. As long as he's with us, we'll be okay, right? For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, there's a security that comes in our lives from knowing that Jesus is our Lord and, and we don't have to worry about being separated from his love. It's right there and he's going to help us, isn't he? So, we are never meant to see ourselves as underdogs. Uh, even when we go through things, obstacles and, and hard things, we can be and should be optimistic. We should be hopeful. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. And Jesus didn't promise us a life without challenges, did he? Jesus didn't promise us a life without challenges, did he? <laughs> yeah. What he did promise is the ability to overcome any challenge that we face. Thank God for that. Now listen to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. This is Paul writing. He says, remember, <coughs> excuse me, that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. So here's Paul uh, in prison, in chains, but he is optimistic. He says the word of God's still going to go out. His word of God's not, not chained. I, I like Paul. He had an incredible attitude, didn't he? Uh, he convicts me, and, and the stuff that he went through, uh, it's, it really does challenge me. Uh, the book of Ephesians, where he writes about what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks, about the armor of God, was the first major letter that Paul wrote from prison. And Roman prisons weren't a nice place. There wasn't cable TV, there wasn't, uh, it wasn't three hots and a cot, you know, it wasn't any of that. It was uh, a cold, damp, uh, uh, dark, smelly, filthy, uh, difficult place to be in prison, in, the, in a Roman prison. Uh, they were the worst living conditions imaginable. And the most politically dangerous men were often chained between two guards. And so obviously they felt like Paul was a, a, a great threat because a lot of the time that he was in prison, he was chained. And so 
most of the time that he was in prison, he was in chain, and he refers to them in, in 2 Timothy. And so Paul, in the midst of this, you know, I, I wonder, I, I'd sometimes try to put myself in the place of, of these guys, and, and I wonder, I, I pray that if I were faced with the things he was faced with, that I'd have his kind of attitude by the grace of God, and, but I'm not, I, you know, I wonder. Paul didn't spend his time sulking, you know. Here he is, he's preaching God's Word and, 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 and doing the will of God, and he gets thrown in prison, gets thrown into chains. And so he's not sulking, he's not questioning why God allowed him to be arrested. You know, oh God, you know, you, told, you called me to preach, and, and now here I get thrown into prison, I'm in chains, it's a it stinks here. It's not comfortable. Uh, the food's rancid, and, and he doesn't do that. Instead, he spends his time writing letters from prison, including the one to the church at Ephesus. And in this letter, the, the, uh, the book of Ephesians, he writes about what Christ has accomplished for us, what he did for us as he died and rose again and how we're meant to live in response to what he has done. And then he ends up at the end of the book writing about our warfare and our ability to fight and to win. Because of what Jesus has done, we are able to overcome any hardship or difficulty. We aren't victims, we are victors. Say, I believe that. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. So, Roman numeral 2, we have been fully equipped to overcome. In Ephesians 6, verse 11 through 13, this is in the New International Version, he says, Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. So we are told how we can stand our ground. Twice we're told to put on the whole armor of God. And the wording is intentional. If you and I are going to be able to stand against the devil's schemes and, and his strategies against us, then we need to put on the whole armor of God. Not just a piece or two or three. I, if, if we have the whole armor of God and we're standing barefoot, then we're going to have trouble. If we don't have the sword of the Spirit, then we're going to have trouble. Don't lift up the shield of faith. We need the whole armor of God to stand against the wor works and the strategies of the devil. And if we do take on the whole armor of God, we are promised something and that we can overcome anything the devil brings our way. That's pretty cool. We're assured victory as we're taken, uh, as we take the weapons that we've been given. And this is 
important for us to know. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, I don't know that, that we always feel like when we show up, the devil's going to run. You know? I, I was thinking about this verse, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I don't know if that's the mental image that we have of the devil, that when we show up, he just, just freaks out. You know, it's, oh, no, it's Dan and Anita Roy, and he just runs for his life. Now, the thing is, the reality is, this is God's Word, and He tells us as we resist the devil, He will run from us. We're not meant to be the ones on the defensive, but He is meant to be and, and, and on the run from us. And so we're going to learn how we can keep the devil on the run. I want that, don't you? We need to remember we're fighting a spiritual battle. And so notice I say spiritual and not ethereal. Or uh, spiritual, by saying it's spiritual, it doesn't mean that it's not real or just kind of out there somewhere. We are involved as believers. <clears throat> Everyone, whether they are believers or not, is involved in a very real war with very real enemies and fighting uh, real battles, but it's in the spirit realm. And so Ephesians 6, 12 says again, he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And this is one of the most important statements about our warfare. It's not against flesh and blood. You know, the thing is, a lot of us, are, our lives and the way we live our lives is a lot of times we are focused on the wrong things. And sometimes that's a, a, about people. Our battle isn't against people. Now tell yourself, I'm not fighting people. It's not uh, our warfare isn't against our families or the people that we work with, our boss, uh, or those we go to church with, our neighbors, those who don't like us, those that we don't like. It's a spiritual war against spiritual forces, and we need to remember that. And if we remember that, it'll save us from a lot of agony that it's a spiritual battle and not physical against people. Tell yourself again, I believe that. All right, we have a spiritual or, or a superior spiritual strategy. Ephesians 6 verse 11, this is in the Amplified. It says, put on the whole armor of God, the armor of a heavy armed soldier, which God supplies, that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the strategies and deceits of the devil. God has made a way for us to overcome everything that the enemy brings against us if we use the weapons he has given us. And this is really good news. We don't have to be afraid and shouldn't live our lives in fear about what the devil's going to do next to us. 
Uh, if anything, again, uh, he should be intimidated of us. Amen. Now, I know that sounds kind of grandiose because we think of ourselves as just us, right? You know, well, I'm, just, I'm just me. But it isn't just us. It's us and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ in our lives. And if we believe what the Word says we have and who we are, we'll fight and win. You, here tonight, with your trust and faith in Jesus, are a formidable opponent Amen. to hell. <laughs> See, a lot of us don't feel, well, I don't know, you know, you may be talking about uh, Pastor Poole, but I don't know about me, a formid like I'm a formidable opponent against hell. Oh, yeah. As we take the armor of God and, and that's what we're going to be doing again <clears throat> in the next several weeks. We're going to be learning about each specific piece of the armor of God. And as we take it, it's been given to us. As we take it, put it on, and practice these truths in our lives, we are formidable. And so don't miss the next three weeks because we need the whole armor, right? Okay. 2 Corinthians 10 Verse 3 and 4 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Amen. Now, I've, I've got a quote that I've left in your notes. This is from Rick Renner. He is a Greek, scholar, Greek and Hebrew scholar and just has some, some great books. There are two books called Sparkling Gems 1, Sparkling Gems 2, and then some of the inspiration that I've got uh, in this class, this series, are from his book, uh, Rick Renner's book, The Armor of God. And so he makes a statement about warfare. The word warfare <clears throat> is taken from the Greek word stratos. By choosing to use this word, the Holy Spirit alerts us to some very important facts about spiritual warfare. The word stratos is where we derive the word strategy. This informs us that spiritual warfare does not occur accidentally, but is something that is strategically planned. The word stratos does not, doesn't just describe the devil's strategies. It also tells us that if we will listen to the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> he will give us a strategy that is superior to any schemes of the devil. And so this is good for us to know that we don't have to be fearful of the devil or what he's going to do, but that God, through the Holy Spirit, will enable us to fight and win. Now, I'm going to tell you a story that happened to me as a uh, young believer uh, in the church that I got saved in in Flagstaff, and it's kind of an involved story, so I'll kind of just give it to you as it happened. This true story, this is the way it happened. It's kind of bizarre, but it happened this way. I was, uh, it was a, a Sunday afternoon, and God had dealt with me that Sunday to just take that day and fast. So I hadn't been eating through the day, and it was, uh, gosh, it was like uh, 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And I'm in my home in Flag, and again, I'm just a young boy. I've been saved for a couple of years, and I hear this frantic knock on my front door. 
And so uh, it was odd, you know, one, one of those things that happens very much, and so, or at all. And so I open the door, and there's a lady in, that's in our church, a married lady in our church, and she's standing at the door, and she is just completely freaked out. And she goes, you've got to come pray for Ben. You've got to come pray for Ben. And, and Ben was her husband, and I said, so, uh, I says, what's wrong? Is he sick? And she looked at me, and she goes, no. You know, and I mean, the hair stood up on the back of my neck, and I'm thinking, you know. So uh, I, I said, well, where is he? And she says, he's, I got him in the car. He's in the car. And so I go out to the car, and here's her husband in the, the passenger seat of the car. She had driven him over there. And, and this is no exaggeration. He is, like, staring in ahead of himself, and he's just shaking violently. Just, I, it's like he's on one of those old vibrating belts or something. Just shaking. I mean, just violently. And so uh, I just rose up, and, and I'd open the, the door, and I put my hand on. I tell you, at that time, I was glad I'd been fasting that day. And so I put my hand on his shoulder, and I said, in Jesus' name, release him. And I mean, this guy got, he literally got picked up and thrown against the other side of the car. And then he went just like that and just relaxed. And I thought, wow, awesome. But then he, he looks at me and he goes, it's in my house. <laughs> you know? And I go, oh my gosh. I thought to myself, what was here, you know? It's in my house. And so I go, oh, man. And so anyway, I make a phone call to a friend of mine in the church, Larry Huck. I want some spiritual reinforcement. You know what I'm talking about? And so he told me what had happened is he and his wife had been going to sleep, and there was just like a manifestation of this big, dark, he says, big, dark, and ugly thing just kind of appeared and uh, he says, it's in my house. And so I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm going to get somebody to go with me, you know. And so I called Larry, and Larry comes over. And so uh, we left his, his wife at my place. And so me and, and Larry and this guy, Ben, get in the car, and we're driving over to his apartment. It wasn't very far away. It was about a five-minute drive from my place. And so we get to, to their apartment, and he lived in, in a, a the middle of a row of apartments, and there were like three of these rows uh, in flags over in East Flag, and so they were all the same. There were just like three or four rows of apartments. He lived in the middle section. So we go in, it was about in the middle of the middle section, and we go up to his apartment door, and he reaches out to take the door, and, and it's locked, and he had forgotten this key. His wife had the keys to the place, and so you know, now we have to drive back to my place, get his keys. Well, now, by now, you know, he's told us a story about this uh, manifestation thing that had happened. As, and so we, you know, at that time, we were, we were all kind of heebie-jeebie. You know what I mean? But now enough time has passed, so we've kind of relaxed. And uh, we're, we're, you know, joking around and stuff. We go get his keys, go back to his apartment, and we go walking up to his apartment, it's in the middle section there, and Ben reaches out and takes the door, and now the door is unlocked. He didn't put the key in. I mean, it's unlocked. And so now 
the hair's back up on the back of our necks, and we're, we're all, you know. So Ben gets around behind us, so it's Larry, me, and then Ben. And so Larry Huck takes the door, opens it up, takes a step in, and then he comes reeling back here like this. And I am standing behind him, and I, I'm looking at his face, and, and he's a big guy. He's, he's not... He's not by any means cowardly. And, I, and I'm, you know, in my mind's eye, I'm seeing this like nine-foot uh, demon with warts and eyes all over, you know, ha, you know, like this. And, and, but Larry is, and I'm, if I could have run, I would have run, but I'm frozen. I'm looking at him and just, and so anyway, Larry speaks inside the apartment. He says, what are you doing here? And the voice inside said, I live here. What are you doing here? We had gone to the wrong apartment. It's like, it's like 11 at night now. We could have gotten shot and killed, you know. And so, anyway, my point in that is, is that we really do need to, for one, uh, pay attention. And the other is recognize that we do have dominion and authority over the works of darkness. We end up going to his apartment, and we didn't see any kind of... Uh, manifestation, but there was, uh, there was an item that, had, that was in his house that had a, and I, all I can say is it had a, a, a strong, bad, evil feel about it. It was a, it was a, uh, a picture, and uh, uh, found out later that his wife had said she had gotten this in, uh, uh, on a trip with her dad over in Italy and that they had painted this thing and it was, there was something really attached to that and that there was, there was a spiritual bondage. We, we took the, the picture painting and broke it up and they never had a problem with that again. So anyway, it's a funny story, but it is something to emphasize that we need not to be freaked out against the works and powers of darkness. We begin given authority and dominion, and we believe that tonight, don't we? <laughs> Through the Holy Spirit, God provides us with the ability to outwit and understand, understand the assaults of the enemy and defeat him. 2 Corinthians uh, 2 and verse 11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The Holy Spirit will give us insight into how to fight our battles. Uh, sometimes it's as simple as reminding us that the problem isn't uh, uh, against other people. It's, uh, it's a spiritual battle and that the stress that we're facing or the battle that we're facing isn't uh, natural, it's spiritual. Uh, some time ago, I was feeling stressed out uh, uh, and it's just not the way I live now. But I was going through a time where I was stressed out, and uh, there wasn't anything more uh, stressful happening in my life than just normal life. But I could feel, you know, just I was just stressed. And I felt the Holy Spirit remind me that what this was was a spiritual attack. And so I prayed about it and felt that stress release and it was pretty cool. 
Sometimes I go through, and there's, a, and it may be a heaviness, like an oppression. And I have gone through this at times where for a day or two, I've had to stand against and say, in Jesus' name, I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, or God has not given me uh, the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, he's given us uh, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and just taking the Word of God and enforcing it. Just a simple, I rebuke you devil, doesn't necessarily always break the, uh, the assault that we feel in our life. We've got to continue to stand and enforce the authority that's been given to us in Jesus uh, in spite of what we feel at the moment. Amen. That makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> we have a superior spiritual strategy. And then finally tonight, we have superior spiritual weapons. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 in the Amplified, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical, weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God to the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. And again, the, the wording here is intentional and important. The weapons that God has given us are mighty, and they will uh, defeat the strongholds the devil tries to build in our life, strongholds of of fear or anger or addiction, sickness or, or, or whatever else it is. We have been given everything that we need in God to pull down every stronghold. Amen. Tell yourself, every stronghold. So over the next several weeks, we're going to look at the individual pieces of armor, of the armor of God, and learn how not only do they protect us, but will equip us to tear down every stronghold. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. Amen. Well, I want, to, I want us to pray together. I've, I, in these classes, I'm putting a prayer and really a confession, and I want to lead you in this prayer, and then I want to just pray over us tonight. So if you just, uh, just repeat this out with me. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me what I need to win. In spiritual warfare. I am not a victim. I am a victor through you. You have given me superior weapons for this spiritual battle. I have a superior strategy through the Holy Spirit, and I will take the whole armor of God I will stand and win in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me, just, let me just pray over us tonight. Would you just bow your heads for a moment? Lord, we thank you uh, for the ability to stand and to be strong. We are strong in you and in the power of your might. And I know tonight, Lord, there are those of us who've come out that we sense that strong battle against us. We sense that spiritual uh, warfare uh, that has been engaged in our life. But tonight, I pray, Lord, that not a person leaves here, but what they sense, the strength and the power of Jesus Christ. 
we are strong in you and in the power of your might. Thank you, Lord, for paying the price for us. Thank you for defeating every work of the enemy. And, Lord, we are not victims. We are victors through you. We thank you. We speak it out in faith, thanking you for the victory that's ours through Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. amen. So I want you to say again, tell yourself, I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. God bless you guys. Next week, the first part of the going through the individual parts of the armor of God, we'll take several each night and for the next three weeks. God bless you guys. Good night. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.